God's will be done. And uh, God uses him where he's going. If you got your Bibles, Numbers, <clears throat> Numbers chapter 14, Numbers 14. Got some tremendous things in the in the works coming up. You'll be hearing about it here in a couple couple weeks, Lord's willing. Uh, just some things we've been working on, trying to put together, and and uh, it's coming together. And uh, just just some, I don't want to call it events. I'm gonna call strategic points that the Lord is fixing to accentuate uh, in our in our church and our community. We're fixing a we're fixing to get busy in the community. And uh, trying to reach some people, and uh, some good things are happening. Numbers chapter fourteen, and let's start with. Um, well, let's just start with verse thirty-one. I'm really after thirty-four, but maybe it'll give some of you a contextual a little backdrop to it. He's speaking here to the children of Israel. He says, "But your little ones, which ye should be a prey." Them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. He's trying to bring them into Canaan land, and they've rejected that. And uh, he said, this is the promise. This is where I want to take you. And uh, they, they've rejected it because of unbelief. He said in verse 32, But as for you, your carcass shall fall in the wilderness. Your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Verse 34, after the number of days in which ye search the land, even 40 days each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation, and they are gathered together against me in the wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. I know again reading it, you, you're hearing the, the end of the matter, the verdict he was speaking against the congregation or children of Israel uh, for their rejection of the promise but before you go south and, and, and the negative let's, let, let's talk about something here in humanity and something I think we all deal with and that is struggling to believe for the promises of God we all struggle, this preachers included uh, we believe God can do anything. We believe God wants to do it. But boy, when it comes time to believe for myself, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. And the verse that I want to bring special attention to is that 34, the last part, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Uh, brother, who's back there? Uh, Beth, if you would have for me uh, Mark 9 and uh, start with verse uh, 17, just a little bit later, just have it, Mark 9 and, and 17. And uh, so thought today, just uh, what I kept feeling in the Holy Ghost, and, and I'm careful, let me explain the title, uh, when God breaks a promise. But I want to explain that, because God don't break a promise. But yet things cause him to back off of the promise. So for lack of a, a specific title, let's just leave it when the promise is broken. But it's not by God that, that that promise, he just backs off of it. But there's a reason he does it. And if you and I will understand the reason why he does it, we can be better prepared to see the victories and the promises that God has for each and every one of us. Why don't we lift our hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, we need you. We need your word to have an effect on our heart. Lord, we're here today because we're hungry. We're not here to pacify conscience or just go through the motions. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. We prepare our hearts and minds. We make it ready. Let it be your will today in our heart. We ask you today in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, children of Israel, uh, let, let, me, let me give the backdrop so everybody is on the same page here. Many of us are familiar with it, but but I, I want to define some terms in, in all of this. Children of Israel coming out of Egypt, as we know the story so well. Children of Israel had been in bondage for, for years, and the Lord said, it's time for you to come out. And He has brought them out. It's been maybe a year, 
approximately, give or take, a few months. And uh, they're, they're out of Egypt. They have been set free. And uh, they're, they're on this new walk out of Egypt. God didn't take them the shortest route. He took them down south. If you ever look at a map of how he did it, uh, you know, God don't do anything by accident. And uh, he had a strategic purpose and plan for which he brought them down the wilderness path. And if you look at it in a map, you'd see instead of crossing straight over into the promised land, he brought them down through the wilderness, the bottom of, of uh, an area uh, where Mount Sinai is. And there he, he gave them the law and gave them the, the words of God, the plan by which they were going to follow. You know, God don't ever bring you and I out and don't give you the answer how to keep the relationship with him. If God ever brings you and I out or he identifies a problem in our life, a sin, uh, you don't hear it preached a lot, a lot now. Now it's kind of more politically correct to say a mistake, but really sin in our life, things that we've done. God don't expect you and I to stay in that sin because sin separates us from him. It separates us and breaks down the relationship between us and him. But when he identifies the sin issue, he always gives you and I a remedy to the issue. He always gives us a hope of how. And there on Mount Sinai, he gives them the answers. He gives them the law. He gives them how to approach him. And, and the, the laying out of what we know as the tabernacle. And, and the glory of God was going to be there. That they could see him, witness him, be a part of him in, in their everyday life. God intends for that, you and I. These things of the Old Testament, a lot of people don't like reading the Old Testament. But these are our foundational truths truths that are established then and they're established now God still wants to be a part of me and your life every day he don't want to be a weekend God he wants to be an everyday God he don't want to be just kind of when crisis hits he becomes your problem solver he wants to be the one before the problem ever comes that you and I can walk with him and talk with him and just have conversation with him we make talking to him so hard so we interject the King James versions. Thou art God. No, he just God. You don't have to make it hard or difficult. Walking with him is just like you and I walk and talk with people today and, and inter interacting with him. And that was always his intent to have relationship with his people. But from there, he had an end goal. He had a place that he was trying to take them. He was trying to get them into Canaan's land. We've got songs about it and messages preached about it and, and, and great stories about Canaan's land. But Canaan's land represented the place of God demonstrating his power, his victories through his people. God's got that for you and I today. That has not changed. God's got victories for you and I today. He's got great things he wants to do through you and I today. It's not something far removed. You look across the church and you may see somebody that's been living for God forever. And you say, well, God just wants to do it for that one. Or God just wants to do it for the preacher. God don't want to just do it for the preacher. Canaan's lands for whosoever will. Whoever wants to go. There's victories for you. There's hope for you. There's strength for you there's a an encounter with God for you there but you got to be wanting to go but right there when I make that statement unbelief just moves in over some of you just oh I've heard that all my life I know that all I know and we don't move or respond in that place the word believe believe is, is many times, and in some of these texts, it's a verb. Believe is something you do in action and move. That's so why some people say, well, I believe in Jesus. But if you don't do nothing, that doesn't mean you believe. Your belief is a fallacy. I can believe in Jesus, but that don't make it some, uh, constitutionally uh, unreal. I can believe in, in hey, you know what, it's going to rain tomorrow. That don't mean it's going to rain. God knows we need it. Believe is an action that I'm going to do with my body. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react to something. If I believe it, I'm going to do it. 
And God's trying to show you and I, and I, again, through the help of the Holy Ghost, I want you to see today how easy believing is. We make it so hard that I've got to do this or do that when believing sometimes is just as easy as you doing something you've never done before. I'm going to lift my hand today. I'm going to lift my voice today. I'm going to run to an altar today and repent. I'm going to lift my, uh, I'm going to do do something to show. Well, here's God trying to say, I'm trying to bring you in because the place I have for you is a place of victory. But the struggle that you and I face is, is God's got the place. But to get us there, it's not that God was saying, I'm worried about the Amalekites or the Hittites. God's not worried about the things that you and I say why we cannot see what God's got for us. The real battle by which I struggle, Brother Fontenot, is my belief. You can have all the faith in the world and still struggle in your belief. I've got faith. Every man's got a measure of faith, but that doesn't mean my believing is advantageous to me seeing the miracle. I've got faith and I believe God can do anything. But what puts that faith is a vehicle called believing. And I begin to move in that vehicle and move towards what God has. But my struggle is getting in the vehicle and moving. I'd much rather just kind of stay right here and just say, okay, you bring it to me, Jesus, and then I'm going to believe. It don't work that way. He says, if you'll move and believe, I'll bring you into lands that flow with milk and honey. I'll bring you into lands that will conquer and you'll see victories like you've never. That's why I still declare God's a healer of cancer. God's a healer of heart disease. God's a healer. And he's not just a healer, but he's a savior. He can put your world back together in three seconds of you and I taking a move towards him and saying, God, I believe. But he's not going to do it until you take the step. And many people are between you, you believe or you have a feeling of belief. And God's here saying, here's the miracle. And the children of Israel were no different. He's trying to get them into the land of promise. He's trying to get them into a land that flowed with milk and honey and and, and vineyards that they didn't plan and places where the pomegranates and grapes were huge and it was a place of prosperity and blessing and favor and relationship with God. So, he says, I tell you what, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you be tested. I'm going to send 12 spies to check it out and come back and tell the people. Because that's many times how God works. You're going to hear the story from a preacher. You're going to hear the story from a man of God. You're going to hear it from somebody trying to declare to you, God's got something for you. You've never seen it. Ain't nobody in here ever been to heaven. Ain't nobody ever been and come back. Because God don't do it that way. He's going to allow somebody to say, hey, I've caught a glimpse of this in the spirit. I feel this in my heart. The word of God has been true. I believe that God's got something greater for us. And he sent 12 spies there. Ten come back and say, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. Their vision was so small. They couldn't see themselves out of the problem. They couldn't see themselves conquering. They couldn't see themselves victorious. They couldn't see themselves in a place of blessing. Just like many times when I come to a pulpit, there are people under the sound of my voice. You can't see your marriage fixed. You can't see your kids saved. You can't see your situation turning. You can't see your situation being healed. You can't see this old problem for your past finally going away. I'm here to declare for you that if God's in the equation, anything is possible. God can take care of your past through one drop of his blood. He'll wash away your past. He'll wash away your sins. But you see, here's what we throw it in. But people, people, I believe God can do all that, but people. So Dave, David said it like this. I'd rather, when he numbered, I'd rather fall into the hands of an ang- a God than fall into the hands of people. 
And much of our reason for not believing in God or moving towards God is because of a wall of people that know what we did and the error of our struggle and the battle. People seemingly, I cannot get over. They're grasshoppers in my sight. They're bigger than me. I, I'm, my vision is I cannot see God getting me over what happened in my yesterdays. I can't see God getting me over the loss of a family member, the loss of this, the hurt that was done. I can't get over it. That's ten spies. The Bible says we're unbelieving. And two, Caleb and Joshua come in and say, we can take them. They even said it would be bread for us. It would be our substance. When we engage in this battle, we're going to get some strength we've never gotten before. See, one saw up here and ten saw down here. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not for the majority. I'll take the minority on God's side any, any, any day. Because if the minority is on God's side, that's all I need to go into what God has. God's economy don't work by a democracy. I don't need the majority to win. I'll take the minority. I'll take the smaller number that's plugged into something in the heavenlies. And I promise you, we'll see more victories than you and I have ever seen in our life. But regardless, in this case, the people allowed the ten unbelieving, doubtful spies. Ten, unbelieving that came back. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they gave an evil report. They didn't talk about God. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't blast God. All they did was, was say, we can't do it after God said you can. So what makes evil, evil is when God says you can, and I want you to, but I say I can't, and I stop. We think evil is Charles Manson cutting open a belly of people, or some uh, witch doctor coming in with a chicken head. You know what, that's the least of our problems. Witchcraft and voodoo is like playing kickball. Just kick it, and poof, it goes away. It ain't no problem. But you throw in that factor... Of humanity Man That's a tough one You throw in my flesh That's a tough one Cause I know what I am You might not know what I am But I know what I am I know what I can do I know I'm not talking about for the good <laughs> I'm talking about for the bad I know the trouble I can cause For myself And you got ten spies that says this is something we cannot do. And it brought an evil report to the congregation of the people. Now watch. That evil report, starting in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1 and 2. They began to cry, the people. They bought into what God said they could, but they picked the voice of the majority. That was negative and opposing. I don't know about you, but I do my best to surround myself around people that are going the same place I'm going. I'm not saying I'm not going to interact and try to reach people and evangelize. I'm going to reach them and do everything I can. But when it comes down to just kind of walking together on this journey, I want to walk with people that talk about the good things of God. They talk about the blessings of God. They talk about praising and worshiping God and how good God is in our church services and how good God is on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. This majority affected the people. And now the people are facing something that now they're left to deal with. Don't, don't, don't be think, don't, don't, don't let the enemy make you believe that the decision you make today is not going to affect nobody. It's going to have good or negative repercussions based upon your action. You think as a parent, 
What you do as a parent has a, has a reaction to Remy. Whether you're good or you're bad, God, and, and here's the factor, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make errors. We're going to sin. We're going to do things that we shouldn't do. But regardless, it's got, a, it's got a repercussion on that kid, good or bad. But if we bring God into the equation, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added. If I keep a heart, Brother Zach, that says, God, I want you in my family. I want you in my home. I'm not going to let what seemingly is the majority of this world dictate to how I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to raise my kids in the church. I'm going to raise my kids to pray. I'm going to raise my kids to worship and praise God. Why? Because God's got promises for me and my family. And I'm not going to fall short of every victory that God has. But it's going to take you believing. You're going to have to move. And 10 said, don't move. 2 said, we got to move. 10 said, let's just sit tight right here in the wilderness. And let's just hang out here. Because if we go there... I'm fearful. I'm afraid. Really, that's what a lot of people don't live for God because they're afraid of losing control. They like their world under their own control. They try to control their emotions. They try to control it with medication. They try to control it with this. When you're in God's economy and you give him complete control, God can heal your mind. God can heal your emotions. God can heal your heart. God can heal the past. God can heal things of you of yesterday. Regardless of what man has done to you, God can still heal. But our minds... Oh, they, you let one thought hit your mind. Boom. I know some people, they, that one thought will hit their mind. I mean, when you hear it, it's the most craziest thing in the world. But in their mind, it's real to them. It's real. It's a reality. That thought has done gotten into their mind. The fiery darts of the enemy have fired. And that little dart that was just a little flickering frame, flame, they allowed their immobility To cause a raging fire in their mind. You say, well, what do I do, Brother Benoit? I'll tell you what Paul said. Cast down every evil imagination. Everything that opposes you, when the thoughts come to your mind and it don't make any sense, and it's like, God, you get thoughts, I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose my kids. God don't care about me. When these thoughts start bombarding your mind, we've got to take up the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit and do what Paul said. I cast down that thought. I'm a child of God. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said, and he'll never leave me. He's always going to be with Cast down the thought that it don't become a fire that you can't put out in your mind. That's why we got to take pills. We take pills to put the fire out in our mind because we can't control our mind. I'm on something in the Holy Ghost right now. That's why we got now more pharmaceuticals than the law will allow because we can't control our mind. God gave us the antidote in the word of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But you got to believe first. You got to take the first step. If you want your mind healed, you got to take the first step. If you want your family restored, you got to take the first step. Why? What good is it to have the promise? but it to be breached. God said, here's the promise, Canaan land. Victory, land flowing with milk and honey. I'll heal you, I'll heal your land. I'll heal the you, your mind, I'll heal your family. He promised them all of this. What good is it to have the promise, but there's a breach in the connect to it. The breach is unbelief. Go back to that verse, uh, Sister Beth, uh, where it said, breach a promise. He said, I'm ready to take you in. 
I'm ready to get you there. Here's the promise. It's like today God's saying, I can heal your mind. I can heal your body. I can fix these things that you have been struggling with for years. Matter of fact, the reason you're going through these things is because you turned and walked away from me. But if you'll turn back to me, if you'll submit to me, if you'll love me with all of your mind, heart, soul, and spirit, and say, you know what? Belief is me moving. You know what the definition of unbelief is? I'll get to it in Mark 9 when he says you've got unbelief. You know what the definition is? It's a noun. It's not a verb. And you know what it means? Faithless. Noun is a place of position. A place of non-movement. It's a stationary place. Unbelief is me setting up camp here saying I'm faithless. When I don't move, when I don't praise him, when I don't lift my voice, when I don't do it with all of my heart, when I don't begin to move in belief, something, I fall back. That's why I know some think they've been living for God for years. They're full of unbelief because they don't move in the things of faith that God has for them. And he said, listen, he said, I got promises, but I got 10 of you that are unbelieving. You're wanting to stay in place and be faithless. And I got two saying, we got to move. We got to take this. We got to take this place. God's got promises. God's got hope. God's got victory. God's got answers. I, I said today, but John, I had... They call $10 million right here. This is yours. It's a promise. I got to come down to our level. We talk about money. People get all excited. $10 million. Come get it. No trick. Come get it. He's doing just what we do. I'm picking on him. But really, he don't know what to do with me. He's like, Brother Benoit, do I go? Do I stay? What's he want me to do? He's trying to figure me out. <laughs> Your response would have been, run and come get the 10 million. But no, I got to figure it out. What's it going to cost me if I do that? Oh, I'm going to have to pay taxes. I'm only going to get five. My God, you just got five million. Who cares about taxes? But we figure it all out in our mind. And watch. So we just kind of, I'm trying to be kind and don't just call it like it is. Unbelief is damning to our victories in God. And whatever it is that's making you be stationary and not move and be a noun. I don't know about you, but I'm getting the victories. And if it means me acting a fool, then I'm going to be a fool. I don't really care, Brother Daryl, what you think about me. Because here's the thing. As I'm shouting my way onto the victories and the things of God, you'll be sitting back here going, well, I guess that could have been me. Yeah, it could have been you. It could be anybody under the sound of my voice. Because God's no respecter of person. I've just got to get up and move from where I am and give him a response. Something to let him know I believe and I'm not faithless. Your victory's determining. Watch this. This is how God upset he was. You don't have to go there, Sister Beth. I'll, I'll give you the scripture. Probably previous to this one, where the promise is breached, probably about 15, 12 verses back. God says this to Moses, I'm ready to be done with the people. I'm ready to kill them all, and I'll rise up a new nation under you. Now watch. He said, I'm willing to forgo all of my promises for that individual because of their unbelief, and I'll find me somebody else that'll believe. Here's what he just told me. God ain't married to your last name. 
I don't care how long you've been living for God. I don't care how long you lived in the church. I don't care how much money you've given. I don't care what you've even done for God. He ain't married to what you've done and that. He's married to one thing. Can you believe him when everything says it's impossible? Can you believe him when your spouse is going crazy? Can you believe him when your marriage is in trouble? Can you believe him when God says, I'm ready to bless you and pour out of the windows of heaven on you? But you got to believe me for it. He'll move and come from here to here. He was willing to throw everything in the tank all because they wouldn't believe his faith. I don't know about you, but I tell you what that did for me. It don't matter how many sermons I've preached. It don't matter how many people I've seen get the Holy Ghost. It don't matter how many people I've laid hands on, brother. And I say I purposefully because that's what happens to our thinking. I did, I did, I did. I'm this, I'm that. I, 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 I. It's Ezekiel all over. Or I say I will ascend, I will ascend. But we get caught up in our own press. And God's saying, I, I got a foolproof thing here that's going to keep you from getting caught up in your press that you think you're somebody. Here it is. I'm going to put something in front of you that you can't see. I'm going to ask you to come to a place in me that you can't see. It's not predictable. You ain't never been there. A relationship with me that you've never experienced before. And everything under the sun is going to fight you and try to make you believe it's not real. I, I got to say something in here called the Holy Ghost ain't real. Getting baptized in Jesus' name ain't real. You need to hear me. I was in the world. I messed with Ouija boards. I messed with everything under the sun. But in the end of the story, I found a relationship with the God of glory and when he filled me with his spirit something changed in my life that I didn't need none of that I got what was real there was no alcohol could do that there was no nothing else could do that there was no pleasure in the world could do that there was nothing tangible I could, I could find that would do that. When I got the Holy Ghost, that's when people come. I'll never forget when I sat there with my mom that day. And, I, and she, she pulled me to her desk in her office. And I had just been filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother John. And she was coming from a different religion, a different faith. And, and she's, she's wrestling with it. Is this real? Is the Holy Ghost real? Is talking in tongues real? Or is that just a bunch of, bunch of blah, 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 blah. And she called me to her office, Brother John. And she said, I got one question for you, baby. You got the Holy Ghost, they said. And you spoke with other tongues. I'm asking you today, is it real? And all I could tell brother John was it's real mama it's real they didn't teach me to talk in tongues they didn't tell me what to do when I repented of my sins a weight of cinder blocks was lifted off I came to God heavy I came to God condemned I came to God guilty of my sin but when I repented and I turned to God that weight got off of my back and he filled me with his spirit ain't no church taught me that I got something cornered in the spirit, boy, and it don't like it. Ain't no nobody, no church taught me this. But I got, I found at an altar. Why? Because when that preacher said, there's victory, you can be free. You can be free of addiction. You can be free of the problem. You can be free of this situation. And it was sin that I was going through. I was doing it because I want, I'm like Frank Sinatra. I was doing it my way. And when that preacher said you can be free, her old brother, come back there. I'm sitting under the balcony. And he says, hey, would you like to go to the front? All I needed was somebody to ask me. And walk with me. I didn't need for him to pray me in the altar. I'm going to say that again. I didn't need him to pray me in the altar. Why? There's something that happens when you get out of that pew and you come to the front. And I tell this church as I'm talking to the family right now. You let them move from that pew before you lay hands on them. Let them get to the altar. Why? Because when they get to the altar, it's a decision point. It's a place where they're saying, there's been a breach. God, you said there's promises, but I'm ready to close that breach. I'm ready to close the gap. I'm ready to walk in the promises of God. I'm ready for my family to be restored. I'm ready for my health. That's what that walk is. And 
God was ready to change the whole thing, Brother John. Change the whole thing. Just because people would not believe. And then God gets so upset and Moses steps in. Thank God for a man of God that would step in and say, God, have mercy. Many people say, well, and, and again, I'm, I've interjected one, I'm going to interject two, and then I'll go on. I'll be a good boy. But here it is. Don't let anybody ever tell you you can make it without a preacher. I know I'm the preacher and I got the mic, but you hear me. You find a church that preaches truth. I don't care where it is, let it be a tr church that preaches truth. You can't make it without a preacher. Because Moses interceded. God wanted to kill him. And that man of God stepped in and said, don't kill him. Don't underestimate the power of a shepherd over a congregation. Because where God can step in and say, I'm done with them, that shepherd will step in and say, whoa, give them just a little bit more time, God. I think something's moving on them. I think something's changed. And Moses stepped in and said, give them a little bit more time. Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for people that will stand in the breach until I can get to the promise. Thank God for people that will stand in the gap and say, God, I'm praying for them. Thank God for an intercessor. Somebody prayed for you, Sister Mim. That would stand in the gap till you could come to the day of promise. Visitors, you're not here by accident. People's praying for you. That's why you're here today. You didn't come on your own accord. People's praying for you. I know warriors that are coming to me after church saying, did you see so-and-so here? I said, yeah, I saw him. said, I've been interceding for them this week. I've been praying for them this week. And here's what I'm trying to declare to some visitor today. You're not here by accident. You're not here just because you come on Sunday morning and it's just a random act. There's somebody that's repairing the breach. There's somebody in the breach saying, come on, somebody. I got a promise for you. And some intercessor is calling your name and my name before the Lord that we can walk in of the promises of God. Physicians, y'all get ready. Y'all come on. And here's, he says, there's been a breach. God didn't break his promise. God didn't change it. The people's unbelief, their willing to be, their faithlessness and lack of moving into the things that God has for them. Cause there to be a gap. The breach, the hole. And promises over here saying, I'm ready to close it. Go to Mark 9, real fast, if you could. And we're going to go faster. Keep your finger on that little digit thing. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought the, here it is. Now watch this. I'm going to show you how easy unbelief is conquered. I'm going to make it real easy. Everybody says, Benoit, you're a hard preacher. No, I'm fixing to make it easy. So don't leave here and say I'm hard. You can say I'm easy now. Here's a daddy with a son that's messed up. The boy, he's got a dumb spirit. Now not every kid's dumb, so don't call him dumb. This was a spirit. Spirit took over this boy and would throw him in the fire. Next verse. And whenever he taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth. It's demonic. Any of these people that tell you that, that angels and demons are not real and heaven and hell is not real, this right here just tells you. It's, there's demonic things out there. Better make sure we're on the right side of it and doing the things that are pleasing to God. He said he foameth in the mouth, he gnashed with teeth, he's pining away. Here's a daddy, got a boy, devil possessed, controlled by a demonic spirit. I don't know about you, but I've seen some situations where demonic situations look like they were in charge. I've seen them. And, it look, and there's this thought that comes to you that says, you know, that's why all these stupid movies like Exorcist. You know what it does? It makes, it makes the preacher look like he's an imbecile. I watched it. Hello. I wasn't in church. I ain't been saved since my mama's womb. It's a stupid movie. It's twisted. It's demonic. And it makes them look like the, the preachers can't do nothing and the devil's in charge. It's a lie. A Holy Ghost filled man full of the Holy Ghost baptizing Jesus. Let me tell you what. I ain't afraid of one devil. I'm afraid of some people. I ain't afraid of no devil because the spirit of God in me is greater than that. 
And this boy's throwing himself in the fire. And the daddy is just, next verse. And he answered and said, Jesus said, Oh, faithless generation. Now remember that word faithless. Remember I defined it, unbelieving. How long will I be with you? Jesus was here to establish a kingdom. He was here to establish miracles, victories. He was here to establish the Canaan land. Canaan was victory, healing, miracle, salvation. That's what God's got for us. And that's what Jesus brought to this earth. It's never God's intent for a family to be broke up. It's never God's intent for kids to end up on drugs and alcohol. It's never, never, never God's intent. So he gives us hope through his name that if it happens, you can turn to him and he can do a miracle for you to show you the kingdom of heaven is now and here. You ain't got to wait till heaven. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you to suffer? Next verse. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straight away, the spirit tear him. When they brought the boy to Jesus, that spirit started acting up. Because spirits hate authority. It hates spiritual authority. Not my name, Brother McNeil. My, my Scott Benoit has no authority. But the God in me has authority. That's why when you and I walk up to something that's demonically bound, it don't like me. It ain't me personal. I don't, it ain't personal. It's something in me. And that spirit rose up against what he felt in Jesus. Next verse. And he asked the Father. He didn't ask the crowd. Remember, 10 spies, majority. God's not interested in the majority. He asked that daddy, what are you going to do? Quit blaming it on Indian Village. Quit blaming it on South Central. Quit blaming it on the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church and everybody else. What are you going to do? He didn't look to the majority. He looked to one daddy that had a problem with his kid. Watch and he said, oftentimes, it cast him into the fire. That daddy had enough spiritual understanding. This is above my pay grade. I got something going on with my kid. The psychologist can't fix it. The doctor can't fix it. The local rabbis can't fix it. I need somebody with true spiritual authority. Don't tell me the Holy Ghost ain't real. I need somebody because I'm facing a problem they ain't got no answer to. But if they cannot do Throw him in the water, destroy him again. Next verse. Jesus said, if thou can believe. What did he say? Daddy, if you can move. If you can move. Lift your hand, lift your voice, lift something, do something. Let a tear fall. Just do something. Watch. The daddy says, next verse. Oh, hi. The child cried out in tears. He said, what? Here's my problem. I believe. But help my unbelief. Here it is. My mind is saying, move. But my flesh is saying, stay put. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong today. God, it's like I've never preached this in my life. Never. God gave this to me at 945 sitting in my desk last night. God's telling somebody here today, He knows where you are. I can't move. My past, my problems, my mistakes, my sins, what people did to me, what the church did to me, what the saints did to me, what the preacher did to me, what people did, my employer, my past. And you're stationary. You're like the daddy. You got a problematic son and family, an issue, something close to your heart. And God's saying, if you can believe, the problem ain't with God. The promise is still there. The breach is because of unbelief. God can't get to you because of unbelief. All these people that say, I got God, I got God. If you got unbelief, you ain't got God. According to scripture, there's a breach. He may be around you, but he ain't manifesting his power. There's a difference. Everybody is, is spirit. That's why there's somewhat peace in this world because the presence of God is all over. But that don't mean he manifested himself. He only manifests himself to people that believe. And look what he said. I believe, but help my unbelief. Next verse, and I'm done. 
And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the fact. In other words, watch what he says. He saw the people's response. In other words, oh great, here comes the majority again full of unbelief. Let me tell you, the decision you make to live for God is going to be yours alone. It ain't going to be because there's a majority. And you're waiting on a majority of this and that. You're wanting all your buddies to come to church with you and then you'll live for God. It don't work that way. God's asking you today. He's asking some saint. There ain't no, this ain't just, I'm, this is everybody, preacher included. What promises has God given you and I? And what's the breach in my belief? What promises has he told Scott Benoit that he's wanting to do? And he said, I'm ready to do them for you, but you got unbelief in this area of your life. You don't believe I can do what I said I could do. Talking to me, the preacher. He's told me that. Brother Perkins and that old daddy. Next verse. 26. And the people came, the majority, he said, uh uh-uh. uh. And the spirit cried out, ran him sword, came out, and he was gone. Then so much that he said, he's dead. Next verse. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up. Next verse. And when he was come to the house, the disciples said, Why couldn't we do it? Even the disciples had unbelief. What makes you and I think that because we get the Holy Ghost or we call ourselves Christians you're not going to face unbelief the disciples faced it here's the difference what are we going to do with it what are we going to do with it I can say all day long yes I'm unbelieving Brother Bush I got something right now I'll be honest with this whole congregation I'm hesitant to believe God can I'll be honest actually two things I told him this week in prayer I said God I guess you just Yes, you know, you just don't want to. I don't know. And I'm trying to believe. And something kind of quickened in my spirit. I didn't know it then, trying to put it together. Then Saturday, and I felt something move in that room. And it's like, God, but I'm going to take the step. And I took it anyhow. I hesitated. I was the man, and I didn't even realize to put it on. But I was struggling with belief and unbelief. I'm trying to help you understand. There's nobody exempt. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Stand with me right now. Had daddy struggled, children of Israel struggled. The question is, can I take my belief? Can I believe that God has some promises for me? Now here's the word. His promises are yea and amen. Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. In other words, God's promises don't change. We change. Is there anybody here today that would be honest and say, you know what, Brother Benoit, I'm lifting my hands to say, hey, look, I already beat you. My hand's already up. I'm, it's me. Is there anybody here that would join me up here at this front today and say, Brother Benoit, I struggle with unbelief. I struggle. Sometimes I don't know, should I respond? Should I do? Should I not do? Come on, I'm reaching for saints, I'm reaching for visitors, I'm reaching for everything that's got breath in his body. Because there's nobody exempt under the sound of my voice that struggles with unbelief. You say, well, I I am. When you and I don't praise him, we're dealing with unbelief. When I don't pray for there's unbelief. There's nobody exempt under the sound of my voice. Come on, lift your voice right now. Lift your voice right now. Come on, we're human. We battle. But what we do with it now is going to determine whether I'm going to be beat down. Come on, you can keep living your life beat down, struggling and fighting every day of your life. Or you can live a life victorious through living for Jesus. Come on, this ain't a Pentecostal thing. We can change the sign outside. It don't matter. This is a Holy Ghost thing. This is a relationship thing. This is a repentance thing. This is a covenant thing. Come on, lift your voice with me right now all across this building. Ministers, help me pray with people. Ministers, find somebody to pray with right now. Ministering brethren. Come on, God's talking to people right now. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God will feel you. All you got to do is repent. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of things I've done. Forgive me of my unbelief. Forgive me, God, that I didn't trust you and move into the things that you told me that you wanted to do. God wants to save your son, your family. But I got to move into that. Lift your voice with me right now. Lift your voice with me right now. Don't let unbelief take away your joy. That's why some of you don't have joy. It's been replaced by unbelief. 
You're stationary. You're not moving. Lift your voice. Lift your hands. When that daddy cried, the miracle came. When he gave a response, the miracle came. Just a minute. Listen, I, I want you to do something together. Those here, those that have come, I want to bear it out very clearly. The man identified, I got unbelief. He was honest. Number two, he cried out to the Lord. He gave a response. You don't have to cry. What I'm saying is he gave a response. Number three, when he was honest, and said he had unbelief and he gave the response to prove I'm changing from unbelief to belief the miraculous moved in the situation see it? see how easy it is? it's that easy I want us to lift our hands together one more time and here's, wait, here's your instructions get honest before God don't pray with anybody right now just, just everybody back off for a minute I want you to get honest with somebody Get honest with them, or you, and say, God, help me. And then number two, give him a response by you. Many of you have already come to the altar. There's a response. I want you to lift your hands and tell him, God, I responded today. I responded today. Come on, start with honesty. God, I'm struggling with unbelief. I believe that, God, you can do anything, but I'm struggling with unbelief. Then number two, come on, go into it. God, I'm here today. I'm honest before you. I'm transparent before you. I need you right now. Come on. Come on, get honest. This is one-on-one -on -one right now. This is between you and God. The miraculous is fixing a move into this building here just in a moment. Come on, lift your voice right now. God, I need it now. By the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the Word of God, I lose miracles in this building right now. I speak healing to cancer. I speak healing right now, God, to the heart. I speak healing right now. Diabetes be healed in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voice. There's miracles moving in this place right now. God wants to confirm his word to people. We all struggle with unbelief, but it's what I do with it that makes the difference. You made a difference and moved into belief. see the supernatural and you're going to see God show up to your aid like you've never seen him before. Folks, it's the end time and there's an abounding of grace that God's fixing to pour out on the church like never before. I want us to position ourselves for it. Is that you? Lift your hands one more time and declare, Jesus, be it unto me according to your word today. God, I receive your word. Come on, tell him.